Section 4 of The Lost Valley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Jared Wetzel Brown. The Lost Valley by Algernon Blackwood. Section 4. Then, specter-like and cold, the image of his brother rose before his inner vision. The profound brotherly love of the twin confronted him in the path. He stumbled among the roots and stones, searching for the means of self-control, but finding them with difficulty. Windows had opened everywhere in his soul. He looked out through them upon a new world, immense and gloriously colored, behind him in the shadows, as his vision searched and his heart sang, reared the single thought that hitherto had dominated his life, his love for Mark. It had already grown indisputably dim, for both passions were genuine and commanding, the one built up through thirty-five years of devotion cemented by ten thousand associations and sacrifices, the other dropping out of heaven upon him with a suddenness simply appalling, and from the very first instant he understood that both could not live. One must die to feed the other. On the staircase was the perfume of a strange tobacco, and, to his surprise and intense relief, when he entered the chalet he found that his brother, for the first time, was not alone. A small, dark man stood talking earnestly with him by the open window, the window where Mark had obviously been watching with anxiety for his arrival, before introducing him to the stranger. Mark at once gave expression to his relief. I was beginning to be afraid something had happened to you, he said quietly enough, but in a way that the other understood. And after a moment's pause in which he searched Stephen's face keenly, he added, But we didn't wait supper, as you see, and old Petivelle has kept yours all hot and ready for you in the kitchen. I, uh, lost my way, Stephen said quickly, glancing from Mark to the stranger, wondering vaguely who he was. I got confused somehow in the dusk. Mark, remembering his manners now that his anxiety was set at rest, hastened to introduce him. A professor in a Russian university, interested in folklore and legend, who had read their book on the Abruzzi and discovered quite by chance that they were neighbors here in the forest. He was staying in a little hotel at Les Raz and had ventured to come up and introduce himself. Stephen was far too occupied trying to conceal his new battling emotions to notice that Mark and the stranger seemed on quite familiar terms. He was so fearful lest the perturbations of his own heart should betray him that he had no power to detect anything subtle or unusual in anybody else. Professor Samarians comes originally from Tiflis, Mark was explaining, and has been telling me the most fascinating things about the legends and folklore of the Caucasus, we really must go there another year, Stephen. Mr. Samarians most kindly has promised me letters to helpful people. He tells me, too, of a charming and exquisite legend of a lost valley that exists hereabouts, where the spirits of all who die by their own hands, or otherwise suffer violent deaths, find perpetual peace, the peace denied them by all the religions, that is. Mark went on talking for some minutes, while Stephen took off his knapsack and exchanged a few words with their visitor, who spoke excellent English. He was not quite sure what he said, but hoped he talked quietly and sensibly enough, in spite of the passions that waged war so terrifically in his breast. 
he noticed however that the man's face held an unusual charm though he could not detect wherein its secret specifically lay presently with excuses of hunger he went into the kitchen for his supper hugely relieved to find the opportunity to collect his thoughts a little and when he returned twenty minutes later he found that his brother was alone professor samarians had taken his leave in the room still lingered the perfume of his peculiarly flavoured cigarettes mark after listening with half an ear to his brother's description of the day began pouring out his new interest he was full of the caucasus and its folklore and of the fortunate chance that had brought the stranger their way the legend of the lost valley in the jaa too particularly interested him and he spoke of his astonishment that he had hitherto come across no trace anywhere of the story and fancy he exclaimed after a recital that lasted half an hour the man came up from one of those little hotels on the edge of the forest that noisy one we have always been so careful to avoid you never know where your luck hides do you he added with a laugh you never do indeed replied stephen quietly now wholly master of himself or at least of his voice and eyes and to his secret satisfaction and delight it was mark who provided the excuses for staying on in the chalet instead of moving further down the valley as they had intended besides it would have been unnatural and absurd to leave without investigating so picturesque a legend as the lost valley we're uncommonly happy here mark added quietly why not stay on a bit why not indeed answered stephen trusting that the fearful inner storm instantly roused again by the prospect did not betray itself you are not very keen perhaps old fellow suggested mark gently on the contrary i am very was the reply good then we'll stay the words were spoken after a pause of some seconds stephen who was down at the end of the room sorting his specimens by the lamp looked up sharply mark's face where he sat on the window ledge in the dusk was hardly visible it must have been something in his voice that had shot into stephen's heart with a flash of sudden warning a sensation of cold passed swiftly over him and was gone had he already betrayed himself was the subtle almost telepathic sympathy between the twins developed to such a point that emotions could be thus transferred with the minimum of word or gesture within the very shades of their silence even and another thought was there something different in mark too something in him also that had changed or was it merely his own raging heaving passion though so sternly repressed that distorted his judgment and made him imaginative what stood so darkly in the room between them a sudden and fearful pain seared him inwardly as he realized practically and with cruelly acute comprehension that one of these two loves in his heart must inevitably die to feed the other and that it might have to be mark the complete meaning of it came home to him and at the thought all his deep love of thirty years rose in a tide within him flooding through the gates of life seeking to overwhelm and merge in itself all obstacles that threatened to turn it aside unshed tears burned behind his eyes he ached with a degree of actual physical pain after a moment of savage self-control he turned and crossed the room but before he had covered half the distance that separated him from the window where his brother sat smoking 
the rush of burning words, were they to have been of confession, of self-reproach, or of renewed devotion, swept away from him, so that he wholly forgot them. In their place came the ordinary dead phrases of convention. He hardly heard them himself, though his lips uttered them. Come along, Mark, old chap, he said, conscious that his voice trembled, and that another face slipped imperiously in front of the one his eyes looked upon. It's time to go to bed. I'm dead tired like yourself. You are right, Mark replied, looking at him steadily as he turned towards the lamplight. Besides, the night air's getting chilly, and we've been sitting in a drought, you know, all along. For the first time in their lives, the eyes of the two brothers could not quite find each other. Neither gaze hit precisely the middle of the other. It was as though a veil hung down between them, and a deliberate act of focus was necessary. They looked one another straight in the face as usual, but with an effort, with momentary difficulty. The room, too, as Mark had said, was cold, and the lamp, exhausted of its oil, was beginning to smell. Both light and heat were going. It was certainly time for bed. The brothers went out together, arm in arm, and the long shadows of the pines thrown by the rising moon through the window fell across the floor like arms that waved. And from the black branches outside, the wind caught up a shower of sighs and dropped them about the roofs and walls as they made their way to their bedrooms on opposite sides of the little corridor. End of section four.